It's September 16, 2020. Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we'll have Michelle Chung from, she's the uh, director of the True Initiative, and she's here to tell us about accelerating digital transformation. Then we'll be joined by Karina Hernandez and Juan Espina from Kalawena High School and Elementary School, and we'll talk about distance learning and student engagement. First off, uh, this Friday, September 18th, from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., Elemental Accelerator will host a live conversation with David Schlossberg. Um, he is the vice president of energy market operations over at a company called E-N-E-L-X, N-L-X. And uh, he will talk about uh, unpacking project results and discuss smart charging's role in grid modernization electric vehicle adoption in Hawaii, broader clean transportation initiatives for utilities, and COVID-19 impact on EV charging behavior. Now, this is a free, free kind of webinar, and this is taking place on Friday. And I will put the registration up on the show notes for later on tonight, so you can check that out at bitemarkscafe.org. Now, I'd like to welcome Michelle Chung from... The True Initiative, and she's here to tell us about accelerating digital transformation at Servco. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you, Bert. Thanks for having me. Great. And so, you know, um, I know we've, you know, we've had you on talking about the True Initiative, but uh, maybe refresh our listeners on on what the True Initiative is about, and and then we'll we'll get into the uh, the specifics on this uh, accelerating digital transformation. So True is a nonprofit with the mission of creating tech-enabled jobs. We support organizations in Hawaii um, in their acceleration, in the acceleration of their adoption of technology. How do we do this? We do this by sharing solutions to some of the common business problems that we all face. We all face challenges in how do we handle a help desk? How do we digitize documents? How do we speak to our customers? So True tries to share the solutions that innovative companies come up with um, so that it, other organizations can benefit from it. That's great. So when, in the case of uh, this coming uh, event that's actually ha- happening tomorrow, so there's a short mm-hmm. window, to, <laughs> and I think maybe you might be extending the registration period for our listeners. Uh, so this is happening tomorrow, but tell us a little bit about this uh, accelerating digital transformation over at Servco, and, and what do you... What do you, um, without you know, giving away too much, what do you think they'll be talking about? It's actually a really exciting event. I just got off the phone with them as they were preparing for tomorrow's event. And they're going to share how they accelerate adoption of technology within Servco. And their approach is really different. So in a lot of organizations, they'll start off, one department will find something cool and they'll adopt it and then share it wider. They actually started off with a Servco lab that helped all the different departments adopt. And their Servco lab um, brings up the technology, develops it, and then extends it to the other departments. It's a really neat process that they've done. Um, And then with the pandemic, we know that digital transformations accelerated globally across both public and private sectors. I think it was Satya Nadella who said that he saw two years of digital transformations in the first two months of the pandemic. And this is just one way an organization is um, dealing with it and helping all their departments accelerate as well. And so the event is 
tomorrow, um, September 17th, Thursday, 3 p.m. And if anyone wants to register, they just visit hec.org slash true. And I can share with you some other details that they'll be going into. Um, they're focused on how they're dealing with customers through this pandemic. So because there's fewer face-to-face, people aren't vi- visiting dealerships, they're looking at their digital solutions to enhance their customer relationships. And then they're using data to have a 360-degree view of their customers. Um, so there's a data discussion. There is a customization and personalization discussion. And then um, the part that I love is how they're bringing this culture of innovation. So tell me a little bit about the lab. I mean, what, what are, are there some uh, common platforms that the lab is, is uh, leveraging? And how do mm-hmm. they transform what they kind of do in the lab to something that's, that's functional for a group? And so they, um, a year and a half ago, they started to um, identify products that would help them in this journey and in innovation. And one of the products I can share is Amparity. They provide a 360-degree view of their client by integrating customer data from a lot of different um, entry points. And so if you piecemeal all the interactions together, then you have a view of what your customer is doing and how you can support them better. Mm-hmm. Amparity is one tool. Another tool is Salesforce. They're using the marketing and commerce cloud. And the way they've adopted that is um, very structured and specific to help their department. You mentioned and then the last one I wanted to highlight oh, was Tableau, yeah. mm-hmm. the data data visualization and analytics. Now you mentioned uh, Sachin Nadella, and he's with Microsoft. I mean, do they do they leverage any Microsoft platforms? I don't know if they do. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I, I figured you dropped the name, so maybe there's a connection there. No, no, not no. <laughs> okay, okay, no problem. Now, so, so Michelle, when is uh, this event, and and uh, again, where can people sign up for it? Yep. So the event is tomorrow, Thursday, September seventeenth, at three p.m. Hawaii Standard Time. Um, you can register at www.hec.org slash true um, you'll see other events that are coming up there as well as event recaps that we've done great did you and was there any other uh, events that you wanted to mention sure so we have a couple coming up um, so true is vendor and technology agnostic we try to bring solutions um, to the community the one solution that's coming up is a secure remote working we're going to have um, Paxa and Island Holdings share how they've adopted the Microsoft Azure staff to bring remote working to their organization. And then the second one is October 15th. Um, we're going to meet two state agencies, DCCA and DHHL, um, who are going to be hosted by Dina Tierney of Pacific Point to share how these state organizations have adopted Salesforce. And they went through um, two different approaches and it just shows that there's more than one way to solve a problem. And you can come and hear about how they each approach their challenge, um, both with legacy systems, customer care, and, and other solutions. 
Sounds good. And I'll put that up on our show notes. <clears throat> and the website, again, is hec.org slash true. And you probably get all the information that you need to register for any of these uh, courses and web, uh, webinars. Michelle, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And, of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Karina Hernandez and Juan Espina from Kalawena High and Elementary School. We'll talk about distance learning and getting students engaged. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Hawaii Naturopathic Retreat Center. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm happy to welcome Karina Hernandez, who teaches over at uh, Kalawana High School, and Juan Espina from uh, Kalawana Elementary. And I want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you so much. We are so happy to be here. Great. Great to have you. And, and of course, you're calling all the way from the other side of the state over in Kona. And one of the beauties of, of uh, taking advantage of this uh, COVID-19 and not having people in the studio is that I can have people call in from wherever they are. And I'm really happy to have uh, some representation from our, our neighbor islands. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to have you guys on. Now, tell me a little bit about uh, what you folks both do at your respective schools. So, Karina, why don't you go ahead and start? Okay. Well, I am, a, thank you. I'm a high school teacher, and I'm also one of the EL coordinators at Kunawina High School. Um, so, I teach 10th grade ELA, and so far, it's, it's getting better by the day. You know, we're getting used to this distance learning, this whole new dynamic, but we're making it work. That's great, and and uh, Juan, what do you what do you do at uh, Kalawena, uh, Kona Waena, Kona Waena, uh Elementary? Hey, Bert, thanks so much for having us all the way out here from Kona. Um, I've been a teacher now there for nine years, and I've been a fifth grade teacher, a track and field coach, a cooking teacher, um, and most recently, I was supposed to be a physical education and health teacher. Although that was severely derailed by this whole COVID-19 crisis, and now I'm more of an online educator that supports online educate uh, students and speaks to students uh, who need help with English language learning. Well, that's that's great. So, when you first, uh, for both of you, I mean, when you first uh, had to deal with, uh, you know, sort of this distance learning environment, I mean, were you already sort of embracing some of the tools before the pandemic, and and how was the transition to? kind of going uh, full-on distance learning. Karina? Wonderful. So at Konawina High School, we have actually have had one-to-one computers for um, over, I would say, three years. We've been very blessed to have the technology, you know, and, and being familiar with Google Classroom and all of these tools that now um, students get to use on a daily basis. And uh, because we've been using those tools before, I, I feel that a lot of our students were a lot more equipped uh, to, to jump into this distance learning. And what I really appreciate about my school and so many schools here in West Hawaii is that they, um, they had Chromebook pickups and they even um, gave out hotspots too for families that needed them. So that has been wonderful, although not all students are connected. You know, we still have a percentage that has not been able to get a Chromebook and meet online with their teachers but we're working on creating packets and even working on creating a learning hub at the high school. So, you know, in the, in the example that you just uh, uh, cited, 
when the students get the Chromebooks and they get the uh, Wi-Fi hotspots, I mean, that's part of a, a DOE program, right? I mean, they were able to acquire the hardware and the um, access access points, and and that provided the students with, with some degree of connectivity at home. Yeah, Bert, that's true. It really was a pretty cool program that the DOE worked on to get. Um, although it did expose a lot more nuanced problems than we may have ex uh, thought before, um, such as, like, it's not enough just to get a kid a Chromebook. You do have to consider their Wi-Fi access at home as well and whether or not that's consistent. Mm -hmm. And then the whole user aspect of having the families use it as well. It's extremely complex, although it can be done. Well, so Juan, you bring up a good point. I mean, it's one thing to get the hardware. It's one thing to get the access. It's another thing to have kind of the, the, the literacy, the, you know, the digital literacy to actually best take advantage of this. Uh, what was, you know, what was the pressures placed on you to help the family get up to speed? Is that something that you had to take on or is that something that you kind of left to the, the family's own devices? What a great question. This has been such a huge learning experience that has come along with a bunch of failures for me. Um, but what I did learn is that first and foremost, it was important to make sure everyone was safe. Like thinking all the way back to April uh, and March, it was most important that we just knew people were safe. We really realized the gap in communication between the schools and the homes when this pandemic hit. Um, so our first focus for my own self was just to contact kids and make sure that they were safe, healthy, had food, even with all the layoffs and everything. And then moving forward from there, it was about providing digital literacy to families because I think we've been using technology in schools, but I think we've been using it on a very rudimentary level. And I think actually integrating it in the way we do things on a regular basis takes a lot of skill. And that level of use we haven't gotten to yet. So I'm curious, when it came to sort of digital literacy and you talk about the nuances, did you um, have pretty much at your disposal the kind of digital literacy training that needed to be delivered to the families that, that needed it? How did you adapt that for the families that needed it the most? Oh, so that's a really good question. We have had... Um, you know, one-on-one -on -one calls, and we have really supported students. Um, on a broader level, you know, we have tried to uh, use videos, instructional videos, to show families how to log in, how to check um, their student's account. And a lot of it has been through phone calls. At the high school level, it is a little more different just because um, the students do get, you know, computer classes at the middle school. And when they come up to the high school, they're a lot more tech-savvy. So it's, it's been, you know, just emailing them, calling home, and reminding them that they have classes, where they should go, and how they should find that information. And the kids are just, have been amazing. They're, you know, have rising up to the occasion, and, and parents have been very helpful. And I want to give a big shout-out to our teachers who, um, yes, we have gotten training at the school level, but many of us have, um, have researched our own training. For example, um, uh, I am a Google certified, level one certified teacher, and that is because Juan, actually, um, a few years ago, uh, when we lived together, we were housemates, he shared that, hey, Google has this educator, um, you know, levels that you can get certified in, 
And I just wanted to get better at my craft. I went ahead and got certified. I know that Juan did as well. And I know that so many teachers are out there constantly doing the research to get better and to then model that for our students. Oh, that's great. That's great. And, and Juan, so when you went through that certification uh, with, with Google, was that something that you could apply toward, uh, I, I forget what I call it, but, you know, it's like credits toward your advancement as a, as a teacher? That's a great question. Unfortunately, it was not professional development credits. Um, those teachers in the Department of Education do know about those. It was more for a personal certificate, uh, personal pride and personal badge, and it did truly make me feel a lot more confident. Google itself had more levels at that time to become more of a uh, trainer as well, mm-hmm. um, but those are different options, and I apologize about my neighbor's dog. No, that's okay. That's okay. You know, if it was in my house, it would be chickens. So, so one, you know, one. When when you talk about the, uh, you you have uh, elementary school uh, students, and and like uh, Karina was saying, you know, once they get to high school, they're pretty good because they've already gone through uh, the you know the different levels of training through middle school and then to high school. But for the elementary school folks, I mean, this is pretty new to them. So, how did you handle, you know, getting them up to speed, especially when they now have to do it on their own with their parents, you know, at home. That is a great question because that nails a huge thing that I don't know if everyone understands is the gigantic difference between kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, all the way up to 12th grade. It really is a progression, and each kid's skill is different at different levels. So even a kindergartner is going to be vastly different than a first grader. What I find is to make it a fun environment. One of the funnest experiences I had was teaching this summer a YouTube cakey cooking program called E Ola Pono and Mr. E, where I taught the kids to join me with their families so we can learn to cook together. They watched the YouTube video I produced, and the families got to learn more about these tools. They got to learn more about how to talk to each other, and they got to learn just how to connect and make a difference. So I think there's a lot of opportunities there, but especially with your young kids, you have to engage them in a different way because just text direction is not going to get through them. Right, we right. also have a large English learner population, a large group of families that require things to be translated for them, and our schools aren't always equipped to give it to them in a timely manner. So um, being able to engage the students is paramount, in my experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in terms of the, uh, let's say, uh, population or the community that is, uh, you know, sort of picking up English as a second language, what is their primary language? The languages are very diverse in our community. We have um, students who speak uh, Tagalog, Ilocano, Spanish, Chinese, Japanese. Um, yeah, so we, we have a, a huge range of languages, and uh, we, we have some support, but we, we definitely use a lot of uh, Google translation services to, to support um, our students in the classroom. That's great. You know, and, and you're, you're kind of giving me a, a little bit of a hint to the next question that, that I want to ask about some of the tools that you feel most comfortable with and much, uh, most useful for, you know, getting some of the uh, kids online. But we want to hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Karina Hernandez and Juan Espina from Colorado High and Elementary School. We're talking about getting students engaged online. This is Bite Marks Cafe. 
Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Shamanad University and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And if you're just joining us, we're talking to Karina Hernandez, who teaches at uh, Konawaena High School, and Juan Espina, who teaches over at Konawaena Elementary School. And, of course, that is in Kona, and they're calling all the way from the west side of the Big Island. And, of course, we're talking about distance learning, and, and we're going to talk about something that I'm interested in, which is podcasting. But, of course, right before the break, we're talking about uh, you know, some of the tools that are most, um, I guess, uh, useful in getting students online and, and, and useful in terms of what uh, you both have been interested in and, and picked up uh, certifications for. So, Juan, I mean, I know you mentioned uh, getting certified with, with Google and, and you mentioned YouTube. And uh, so what are some of your favorite tools that, that uh, you are using to get students kind of engaged? Well, I got to give a shout out to Class Dojo, which has been a free app platform for teachers. And it's really helped us connect kids. Um, so that's definitely helped me quite a bit to just connect families and kids. And it has been free in all the years I've used it. I've also been really thankful and blessed and honored to work with Karina um, and our third partner, Kevin Argetta, um, to help create uh, Hawaii's first education podcast to make schools cool to talk about. It's called My Estro's Vibe, and we've been honored to record for the past two years. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about that. I mean, uh, uh, how did you folks come up with that name, and, and you know, when did it uh, kind of coalesce together with the three of you? Oh, that's a really great question, and it, it takes us back to when um, the three of us, you know, were housemates, as we all know, um, so it's expensive to live here in Hawaii, and all of us met through Teach for America when we uh, got here many years ago. And so we all used to be housemates, and one day in the kitchen, you know, we're all cooking, and I brought up the point that I wanted to share other thoughts with my students, like outside of the classroom, and I started talking about podcasting. And then the conversation continued where the three of us were like, well, why don't we start a podcast together? And, you know, we, we're already living in the same place. Um, we, we're always talking about school topics anyway, so why don't we record it and share our thoughts, share our experiences, the tools that we use with the stakeholders in the community. And that is how the dream was born, us in the kitchen talking about ways that we can make school cool to talk about. Okay, so, you know, I'm... I'm uh spoiled because you know my podcast is for the most part already engineered i've got an engineer he's uh recording this i've got mic set up you know the levels are adjusted and everything is pretty much done for me now in your case where you have to build it yourself what do you need to have for a successful podcast to be edited and you know properly mixed and then uh put all together and then put up on a website? What is it, what is it? What are some of the components that need to be put together to make that a reality? And, and Juan, go ahead and, and share what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, Bert, I think that just like any craft you're getting into, I think first and foremost you have to define what success means to you. Mm -hmm. um, if you're trying to create a podcast that's successful in the sense that it makes a lot of money, 
you would probably operate in a different way than if you wanted to make a podcast that you wanted to reach the people closest to you, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So you really have to identify what your goal is with this podcast. Um, and, and, and by doing that, you can then understand kind of what you want to do. Bare bones, most technology can do it and upload it. Like, I could do it on my phone now and upload it to a free streaming site and get it on Apple Podcasts within a few days and get my ideas out there. The, the, the key is how you spread ideas, and I think that's the art in it, and that's the art in truly anything, in teaching, in, in, in uh, painting. It's, it's how you deal with those little details. Um, so I think first you just have to identify what you're trying to do and what your goal is, if that makes sense. So, so Karina, in, in the case of uh, producing this podcast, do you have uh, students actually calling in? I mean, who's, who's your guests on these podcasts? Oh, that's wonderful. So for this upcoming season that's going to be released next month, we are going to have uh, more uh, student voice and a lot more teachers. In the past uh, seasons that we've had, we've had amazing guests, such as the former and current complex area superintendent, Mr. Art Souza, and Ms. Jeanette Selling. So those are a couple of big names that we've had on the podcast to share their perspective on education. We've had uh, colleagues. And we've also had community members to share their thoughts about school. And our new season, we want to bring in more diverse voices, such as our students. Um, we want to bring in um, administrators because at the end of the day, um, our students and our stakeholders are super important. And we believe that when we all have this conversation, when we all share our thoughts, we can really help our community and our keiki uh, succeed. And so this upcoming season, I'm so stoked because we are going to have students um, on the podcast sharing their thoughts on distance learning and also sharing their uh, their voice. Great. And and Juan, so you, you touched on this. How do you get the word out? How do you get people to hear about this and, and want to actually listen to the podcast? Uh, go to maestrosvibe.com. Check it out. Like us. Subscribe us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave us five stars. If you don't, we might all think that you don't support education. So please, <laughs> just get that word out there for us. Yeah. And, and, and so, if you wanted to get the word out there yourself, I would recommend starting with a small hooey, identifying a, that audience that you're trying to connect with, whether it be a group of woodworkers or whether it be a group of surfers. You start connecting with them in a small community. You start getting to know what they want to hear about. And then you just start talking about it. it it's, it's essentially what people want. People want to talk. People want to listen. People want to connect. It just takes that person to actually put the pieces together. So we've been so thankful to be able to put the pieces together here in West Hawaii, join with you over there in Oahu, and hopefully keep connecting with people around the world. Because this conversation is so important now more than ever. And Karina, you know, in the last uh, few seconds we have... Uh, what are some of the topics that you want to get the students to talk about? Uh, one of them is distance learning. Another of them is their wellness during this time. And also just to hear what are their, their needs and wants in a K-12 through system. So we really want to hear from that stakeholder. You know, if education is for our keiki, let's get them on the microphone so that they can share those thoughts. And we are so glad that we will be able to elevate those voices this upcoming season. And are they uh, are they receptive to the idea? Are they nervous? Are they excited? I mean, what are they? What, what's the reaction? 
Uh, the reaction is across the board. I have students who are like, yes, Ms. Hernandez, when can I call? When can I come in? I'll go to your house and be on the podcast. Other students are like, no, I'm, I'm going to think about it, but that's really cool. So you, you definitely at the high school level, uh, there are across the board. But one last thing, um, at the high school level, teachers do want to bring in podcasting. And one of the tools that I use in my class, Karina, you know, <laughs> I hate to do this, but uh, I'm going to have to transition out and I'll put the, you know, the link up on the show notes for later on tonight. Karina Hernandez, she teaches at uh, Kona Waena High School and Juan Espina teaches over at uh, Kona Waena Elementary. I want to thank you both for joining us today. And of course, thank you for listening to Bite Mars Cafe. Join us next week when we will be talking about the graduates from the Purple Maya program. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at BiteMarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HBR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HBR app, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You stay safe, stay awesome, and we'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Bye.